the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, November 5th, 2021. Open lines Friday, 602-508-0960. So much happened this week. I was thinking how I wanted to open the show. I was talking to my friend Tevi. I said, I don't know what to do in the open. He says, well, remember the William Buckley thing. Why don't you go and... uh, Go and read the New York Times, find something that upsets you, and then for extra fun since it's Friday, for extra fun since it's Friday, why don't you try and write up your monologue the way William Buckley would? You know how to imitate uh, people, writers, speechwriters, you're a speechwriter, that sort of thing. So I did. I went to the editorial page of the New York Times, took the first editorial I saw, and I engaged in this exercise, which was... uh, Maybe some of you will recognize, if I succeeded, uh, written in the style of William Buckley, uh, my tribute to him. And uh, here it goes. Sometimes I think it's unfair to label the Babylon Bee a humorous or sarcastic publication. After all, what of the New York Times? Today, the paper of record has an en banc editorial that opens thus, quote, Tuesday's election result trend lines were a political nightmare for the Democratic Party, And no Democrat who cares about winning elections in 2022 and the presidential race in 2024 should see them as anything less. Familiar takeaways like wake-up call and warning shot don't do justice here because the danger of ignoring those trends is too great. What would do justice and what is badly needed is an honest conversation in the Democratic Party about how to return to the moderate policies and values that fueled the blue wave victories in 2018, and won Joe Biden the presidency in 2020, close quote. Now, before we get to their conclusions on these points, an important interruption, quote, an honest conversation in the Democratic Party about how to return to the moderate policies and values that fueled the blue wave victories in 2018 and 2020, close quote. But I didn't hear anything in 2018 or 2020 that was very moderate. Nancy Pelosi then, as now, was speaking of impeaching the president. In fact, the whole party pretty much was. Would defunding the police be a moderate policy that helped Joe Biden or at least help make race a wedge issue that was weaponized against Donald Trump? It was the Democratic Party. It is the Democratic Party. You hear make claims based on race more than any Republican, including Donald Trump, when he was president or before or since. That was but one issue that was exercised by the Democrats in 2018 and 2020 and 2016 and 2017 and 2019 as well. So what was the New York Times' conclusion? Quote, given the stakes for the country from urgent climate and social spending needs to the future of democracy, Americans badly need a rolling conversation today and in the coming weeks and months about how moderate voters of all affiliations can coalesce behind the guide and behind and guide the only party right now that shows an interest in governing and preserving democratic norms, close quote. Now, the New York Times can run editorials titled, Yes, We Mean Literally Abolish the Police, as they did last year, 
and then arrogate to themselves the responsibility of instructing the Democratic Party and the American people on the need for moderacy, even telling the Democratic Party it needs to have a conversation with itself. Not just any conversation, of course, but as the Times instructs, an honest conversation. This will not happen, or at least will not happen in the way the general practitioner of the English language would understand it to happen. The honest conversations the Democratic Party has had, and their earnest money along with them, have brought to bear the most left-wing party in America since Gus Hall last ran for president. Those honest conversations have been, Joe Lieberman is actually trying to keep our party fairly moderate. Let's toss him out and run a primary opponent against him. Those honest conversations have been, how do we help Ilan Omar in the public mind when she disseminates and promulgates anti-Semitic screeds? Will we do so by denouncing all forms of bigotry, generally, including groups who do not claim to suffer much in the matter of hate crimes, for the purpose of attenuating any undue attention to the Jews, and hence Ilan Omar, who was the cause of that honest conversation in the first place. Those honest conversations have been, well, our far-left extremists like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and Ayanna Presley are running for re-election, but they have primary opponents. So what to do? Well, Double down on the socialists and fund and endorse Ilan Omar, Alexandria Cortez, Ocasio-Cortez, and the rest of the socialist squad against their moderate primary opponents. Just as we did to get rid of Joe Lieberman in his primary, though he too was an incumbent. Those honest conversations have been, what do we do when our own governors in major states are sexual assailants and KKK hood-wearing muckers? Well, we ignore those stories, hope they'll go away and prove untrue somehow, and while hoping, flood the news and media zone with a torrent of other crises that should be deemed more important, like the bigotry of Donald Trump and everyone who supports him. And when there is a deafening silence and a cavity of evidence of Republicans who do or did this sort of thing, let's go to the high school yearbooks and unleash the likes of Michael Avenatti, or better, When all that fails, explain the reason there's no actual or tangible evidence of Republican racism or sexism or sexual assault is because Republicans do it all with dog whistles. You know the things only Democrats hear but seem to be tone-deaf octaves to Republicans who never seem to take those whistles and act on them the way Democrats actually do routinely. Make the dog that didn't bark appear as the loudest and most ferocious dog of them all. And, of course, when the left of the party grows violent, endow the violence, defend it, embrace and raise the profile of a Marxist movement that is helping to fuel it and say things like the answer is to defund the police. For until then, people will do what people will do. And when parents who have never been political before start noticing their children, starting around age five, are being taught and encouraged in topics previously suited for mature thinking and sovereign adults, especially having to do with race and sex, simply deny any of that is happening or does happen. Or if you can, claim those who raise the concern are themselves extremists who don't want to teach the truth or anything else other than that the earth is flat and this society was built on the white basis. Ignore the funny thing about that, of course, 
that that very charge, the country being formed on the white basis, was the animating intellectual afflatus of the Confederacy and its defenders as much as it is of the Marxist movement and the critical race theories being taught in our schools. Think I'm wrong? Defendants Exhibit 544 on this issue. Here is Stephen Douglas challenging Abraham Lincoln in the first Lincoln-Douglas debate in 1858. Douglas being the supporter of the extension of slavery, Lincoln being the one wanting to strangle it. Here's Douglas, quote, I believe this government was made on the white basis. I believe it was made by white men for the benefit of white men and their posterity forever. And I am in favor of confining citizenship to white men, men of European birth and descent, instead of conferring it upon, he used a different word, blacks, Indians, and other inferior races, close quote. Yup, that ugly view existed in America. The minority of America, as it would turn out when it went to war on it, and then lost, but it did exist. Thank God nobody told Abraham Lincoln in 1859 he needed to rethink his position that Douglas was wrong or that the slave states and Confederates were right. But why do I call it a funny thing? Precisely because if you listen to the BLM or BLM supporters on American history and white privilege, they recite the same exact history of America and theories about white privilege that the likes of Stephen Douglas and Alexander Stevens and Jefferson Davis had done. The same exact history that Roger B. Taney and the Dred Scott decision used. So maybe parents can be forgiven for actually wanting to teach the history not of the lost and we thought forever defeated cause, but the winning cause, the victorious cause that was led by the likes of Lincoln, Grant, the Union, the majority of the American people, relying on the words of those whose statues and names the left and the Democratic Party has no problem in defenestrating, and while claiming the truth is on their side. About that New York Times conclusion of advice, again, though, what they wrote and instructed, quote, given the stakes for the country from urgent climate and social spending needs to the future of democracy, Americans badly need a rolling conversation today and in the coming weeks and months about how moderate voters of all affiliations can coalesce behind and guide the only party right now that shows an interest in governing and preserving democratic norms, close quote. Maybe, just maybe, saying that the entirety of the Republican Party, which is the only other party in America, the party that has full balance in the Senate and just whipped butt on Tuesday— the party which tens of millions of Americans belong to is a party that, according to the New York Times that wants the Democrats to have an adult and moderate conversation, shows no interest in governing or preserving democratic norms. Maybe just maybe saying that party and those who support it are incapable of governing and incapable of preserving democracy is, well, if the word weren't ruined by syntactical saturation and misuse, Maybe that word would be extremist. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Nine six zero. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, Rick is in Phoenix. Hi, Rick. 
Hello there, Mr. Buckley. That was a very fine essay that you gave us. Oh, that was very nice. Thank you. I, I thought I'd have fun with it. It was good. I hope it, it worked. It was fun, but it was also very good. I, you know, there's always a Buckley book on my bedside, uh, 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 whatever it's called, table. Fast. Yeah, Buckley book on your bedside. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, who is the... No, I can't say it on air. There was okay. a cartoon once about this. I I probably shouldn't do it. The three right. Bs. Anyway, okay. um, I always have one of his collections on my desk side. The side... Whatever it is that's next to my bed, I have a Buckley book, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm always working on it. Okay. And usually they're old columns and essays from the 60s and 70s and 80s, yes. and so uh, I thought it wouldn't be too hard to try try his style. I thought it would you be bet. fun. You and, bet, and worthwhile. Uh, you know, you often talk about going back and, and remembering things that we have forgotten yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, what a great way to do that. You know, it is uh, you know. it is important. I, I will tell you, Rick, um, you know, we all praise these men and call them, you know, giants, these people we miss and of our past and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. until you go back and watch some of these shows or these debates on YouTube, you really don't get even half of the sense of the emotion. It really was yeah. that good and better. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's that's where true. the video is actually better than the history. Yeah. They were, they were, in fact, great men. Yeah, they were great. No doubt about it. Yep. No doubt about it. Well, speaking of great men, Professor Seth, I have uh, a question for you. With your erudite knowledge of history, uh, I want to ask you, have we ever been in a time of more chaos and confusion and misinformation from the medical and science experts, and in many cases, our leaders making things worse instead of better. I can't think of it. I can't think of it, Rick. That's my that's my perception, too, brother. Yeah, I can't I, think of it. It's as if there's been a en masse fleeing of our senses. The yes, New England Journal of Medicine, the Journal of the American Medical Association, the Lancet, those are probably the three, and probably in that order, the three most respected medical magazines, uh-huh. probably in that order. Um, they, they, they have in every issue, every issue, uh, articles about the kind of thing you can hear from Ayanna Presley every day. Yes. They have entirely fled the realm of what people looked for them for and have entered the realm of what, you know, the Nation magazine would be or Mother Jones would be or any number of dissents in any given number of Supreme Court cases would be in our present court. Um, They have become entirely politically correct. They have become entirely dependent on uh, cover on 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 government uh, government uh, tra- transfers of wealth on gov- on government subsidies and government orders mm-hmm. they have entirely surrendered their credibility when it comes to speaking truth which is i believe an important part of science yes um they have completely abandoned all of that in the name of woke ideology and government subvention. Yeah. You know, the reason 
that a lot of these medical professionals you may hear talking about things they can't say or things they're forced to say has to do with their hospital or practice employers and the monies they get from the federal or state governments. A lot of it has to do with that. Yeah. So, you know, I have gotten in trouble from time to time with listeners uh, when they ask me, uh, what should I do? Where do I go? And I say, listen to your doctor. Trust your doctor. Mm-hmm. I have been privileged and blessed to have been able to select doctors who I've known for many years and who don't succumb to this sort of thing. Right. But for too many, that's not the case. And 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 we have found yet one more profession where the sociology department's have had a lab leak that has now infected the medical schools as well as the rest yeah. of the population. Yeah. And it's, I'm like you, you know, Seth. I'm 66 years old. And You're not I'm... like me. <laughs> stop that, Rick. If that's your first piece of evidence, you stop that right now. I'm like you. I'm not a very good-looking guy, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm like you, a little shorter than I wish I could be. <laughs> I'm like you, pushing seventy. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, let's let's. You've given you let's take. Try, let's try another approach. Okay. Yes. <laughs> let's proceed as if this is going well. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, I I concur <laughs> with your <laughs> with your evaluation. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you took that in good fun. And I good did, okay. I did, of course. You know, it's kind of like when I went to my doctor and uh, he told me that I was fat. And I said, well, I want another opinion, yeah. doc. He said, okay, you're ugly, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right, okay, now where was I going? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, with my at 66, I'm tr- I've been, like the last week or so, just trying to think back about when things have been so yeah. crazy and upside down and inside out. And uh, like you say, when it seems like common sense has just flown the coop, you know. I mean, yes, we have had difficult times. I remember the riots in the 60s. Sure. I remember the protest in the 70s. I remember, you know, 9-11. Yes, we've had some difficult times, but my goodness it just seems like this is a an absolutely pervasive blanket that yeah. has settled over the country yeah we were rooted uh, and grounded and our national party apparatuses were as mm-hmm. well one of the biggest differences between that era of 1968 to uh, i don't know 76 68 to 76 that was a pretty ugly time and then of course it got economically very ugly in the late 70s but yeah but that 68, which used to be known by historians, hold the thought. This is an important one. We've got to okay. go to break. Uh, okay. And I don't want to m- mess this up. I want people to uh, appreciate what we're talking about here. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. And uh, 66-year-old Rick will stay on hold and join us shortly again. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Rick, are you still my friend? Are you still there? Oh, I barely am, brother. I got one <laughs> foot in the grave. Yeah, I know. If you could summon up a little <laughs> fortitude. 
<laughs> we'll continue yeah, the point I wanted to make about the, yes. the – so 1968, a lot of us uh, <clears throat> have called it and a lot of people have called it Anna's Horribleness, the horrible year. It was a horrible year given obviously goings-on in Vietnam, uh, obviously the assassination of Robert Kennedy and the mm-hmm. assassination of Martin Luther King and yeah. the race riots uh, that followed so much of this and the rise of the Black Panther. It was a terrible time. Yeah. And um, and people wondered if we could go on. You know what the difference – there's a big difference, and this may explain the whole story. It may actually explain the whole story. The difference between then and today <clears> – you may remember the phrase <laughs> the phrase radical chic coined by Tom Wolfe. Yes, I Ra- remember that. It was based mm-hmm. on a – it was based on a uh, event – a fundraising event he went to, <coughs> fundraising for the Black Panthers. Pardon my cough. I, okay. I, um, I was eating a, past- a couple of pistachios on break. <laughs> I was. And yeah. um, anyway. I love them. To keep me young. And yeah. uh, he went to, a, he went to a, a party thrown by the uh, great musical impresario, conductor, uh, writer, Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein. Right. Yeah. He went yeah. to his house, which was a fundraiser for the Black Panthers. And all these wealthy people, friends of Bernstein, upper crust of Manhattan, who were there saying things to the Black Panthers like, I dig it, and how can we help, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so he wrote a story wow. about it. Not not really much different, not much different uh, than the BLM movement today. Not much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And And you know what the difference was? Here's the difference. No Democrat of any respectability or color in elected office defended, supported, wanted to be on the side of or was co-opted by the radicals in 68, 69, 70, 71, 72. They denounced the Weather Underground. They denounced the Black Panthers. They didn't join them. Yeah, They didn't defend them. McGovern didn't. Humphrey didn't. Sergeant Shriver didn't. None of the U.S. senators did. None of the U.S. House members did. They were seen as radical extremists, we, our party, wanted nothing to do with. Right, right. That yes. explains, I think, the whole difference between then and now. Yes, I think you are. I think you're absolutely right, Seth. Uh, you know, it, it, um, uh, it, it really amazes me that uh, if my memory serves me correctly, I, th- I think it was uh, our Arizona senator uh, goldwater who who said made a speech back in what the 60s sometime or the other that said and he said i think we can take this party back yeah you know well 1960 uh yeah. actually 1960 republican convention let's grow up conservatives i yeah I, yeah that's but, but conservatives hold on yeah 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 go ahead okay yeah but but the problem is 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 that like Doug, your caller Doug was saying uh, what yesterday or day before. We have too often been just placeholders, yeah. and the radical left has progressed over the last those last fifty years, while we've you right. know we've maintained about the same. Posture. Right, right, right. For every two or three or four cups of water they pour into the tub when they run the bathroom, we take one out when we run it. And then right. we leave and they come back. And exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's what's and and that says, that's because we are not a party of Goldwaters and Reagans and Trumps. Right. We are a party of uh, we are a party of Mitt Romney's, and uh, unfortunately, uh, we have struggled with this our 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 whole political historical lives since 1964. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and what it boils down to is this: my father was a builder. He he was in construction all my life, and he was a builder. And I remember him telling me about some famous architectural company or, or university or something somewhere who decided that they were going to build a structure without putting a foundation under it because okay. they knew better, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, they built that structure, and guess what happened to it? I'm going to guess it collapsed. It collapsed, yeah. and that's exactly what happens to society. You don't have the foundation it begins to decay and, and collapse. As if we've learned nothing. This is another Tom Wolfe essay. I'll, I'll speak to it when we come back as I tell you more about your medical profession when I come back too, Rick. But this was a Tom Wolfe essay circa 1987, and it's attacking the notion that the left and the cultural elites – he does get into architecture actually, Bauhaus architecture – the left and the cultural elites – are acting as if society has learned nothing since the year zero. We'll talk about that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This open line Friday, 602-508-0960 is the number. I was talking uh, with... Uh, Rick, a few moments ago, about the costs, the costs of abandoning all grounding, all moral sense, all we have at great pains gone through to learn, accept, and adopt. You could call it common sense. You could just call it cognizance. Um, Abraham Lincoln, as I'm often fond of quoting, said you can repeal all history, but you cannot repeal human nature. Interesting point, that, as people try and repeal history. But Tom Wolfe, perhaps in another essay, not Radical Chic, but an essay called The Great Relearning, uh, written, I think, in 1987, talks about what happens here in the social realm. In 1968 in San Francisco, he said, I came across a curious footnote to the psychedelic movement. At the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic, there were doctors who were treating diseases no living doctor had ever encountered before. Diseases that had disappeared so long ago, they had never even picked up Latin names. Diseases such as the mange, the grunge, the itch, the twitch, the thrush, the scroff, the rot. And how was it that they had now returned? It had to do with the fact that thousands of young men and women had migrated to San Francisco to live communally in what I think history will record as one of the most extraordinarily, extraordinary religious experiments of all time. The hippies, as they became known, sought nothing less than to sweep aside all codes and restraints of the past and start out from zero. At one point, Ken Kesey organized a pilgrimage to Stonehenge with the idea of returning to Anglo-Saxon excuse me, Anglo-Saxon civilizations, point zero, which he figured was Stonehenge, and heading out all over again to do it better, to do it better. 
Among the codes and restraints that people in the commune swept aside quite purposely were those that said you shouldn't use other people's toothbrushes or sleep on other people's mattresses without changing the sheets or, as was more likely, without using any sheets at all, or that you and five other people should drink from the same bottle of Shasta or take tokes from the same cigarette. And now, in 1968, they were relearning the laws of nature. By getting the mange, the grunge, the itch, the twitch, the thrush, the scroff, the rot. It's a Promethean, an unprecedented start from zero that was thrust upon us by the iconoclasts, those that wanted to do, uh, do away with and disappear all civil society based on all that had built it before. And yes, that included, of course, not just hygiene, but science, medical science. Rick originally called in on what was happening in the medical profession, as an example. I almost want to open this story by saying you would be shocked, but you may not be shocked. It's another, well, all in a day with the progressive movement having swept America. But honestly, it should give you comfort to know, if you're a progressive, it should give you com comfort to know that the American Medical Association is spending time not on your children's social and mental health and perhaps not even their physical health, but on putting together a manifesto that they unveiled last week called Advancing Health Equity, a guide to language, narrative, and concepts. Aren't you glad the AMA is putting out guides to language and narratives? Let me, um, let me just uh, give credit where it's due here to Matt By over at the Washington Post for writing this up. The long list of words and phrases the AMA now prescribes, doesn't allow, not prescribe, proscribes, now disallows, includes, you can't say these words, Marginalized communities, morbidly obese, the homeless, inmates, individuals, ethnic groups, and racial groups, and anything that could be re related to violent imagery such as targeted communities or to even tackle issues in their place. Doctors are now advised to use terms such as, quote, groups that are struggling against economic marginalization. Quote, people with severe obesity, quote, people who are experience, people who are experiencing homelessness. Also expunged words not allowed to be used, Caucasian, minority, vulnerable, white paper, black male, black ball and slave. Again, this is not the English department at Evergreen State University or the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This is the American Medical Association. Because change can be confusing, the AMA helpfully offers some well-intentioned sentences that might be problematic, along with alternatives using equity-focused languages. So they're now giving you of, instead of saying this, say this. For instance, if you were inclined to say, quote, for too many, prospects for good health are limited by where people live, how much money they make, or discrimination they face, close quote. What you should say is, this is the AMA, quote, 
Decisions by landowners and large corporations increasingly centralizing political and financial power wielded by a few limit prospects for good health and well-being by many groups. Close quote. I swear I'm not making this up. Aren't you glad? Aren't you happy that all those years of training and science courses in medical schools is out the window so that instead of talking about where people live and how much money they make or the discrimination they face, which can limit their health care prospects, something that I think almost everyone would feel comfortable in saying, including those on the left, the AMA outdid it. Again, they want to replace that sentence with, they want doctors saying this and writing this, decisions by landowners and large corporations increasingly centralizing political and financial power wielded by a few limit prospects for good health and well-being for many groups. They are now telling doctors that you may not any longer want to focus your undergraduate degrees bachelor's in science coursework or science coursework or any of the ologies that they study and promote to train you for your medical entrance exams and for medical school, what they want you to take is political science 201 or perhaps even sociopolitical science 201. What they want you to do as a doctor is be far less familiar with the ideology of diseases, etiology of diseases, and be far more familiar with the ideology of the progressive woke movement, which is fueled, taught, instructed, and powered by the political science departments. Take political science to treat human bodies, they're telling us. And now you understand why we're in the place that we're in. Oh, yes, indeed, we need a great relearning. Oh, we've got a great guest coming up in Stanley Kurtz at the top of the next hour, How Parents Can Save Western Civilization. You don't want to miss this. Uh, it's worth the saving, at least to a large part of this country we call America. Um, I got an email from a listener who quoted me back something I said in one of my monologues the other day. I think the monologue was about how young we were teaching children about sexual orientation, sexual fluidity, gender fluidity, and race. And yeah, it was five years. We were to, we were going in some of this curriculum. It was reaching down into kindergarten level and five year olds. And I said five year olds, dude, which was a tribute, I suppose, or at least a uh, reference to the Big Lebowski, where there's a line we don't need to air it uh, that Walter Sobchak, the character Walter Sobchak, says eight year olds, dude, eight year olds. And um, it reminded me. This listener said it made his day. It's a funny movie for some, and. It reminded me I had this weird incident the other day. There are a few movies I I pretty much know the entire script to. There are – yeah, I, I, I think I could feel comfortable in even telling you what they are, although it's a mishmash. It would be um, North by Northwest. It would be The Graduate. It would be Jaws. And it would be The Big Lebowski. 
just turns out I've watched them enough times I could probably give you the entire script if forced to, at least prompted by the scenes or something. I, I know the lines very well from those movies. So anyway, I was at a sandwich shop picking up uh, picking up some lunch the, uh, about a week or two ago. And the guy behind the counter said to his colleague, he said um, – he he said uh, he said a line from the Big Lebowski to his colleague. He said that had not occurred to us, dude. He said that to his colleague, and I'm the guy in front of the cashier, and they're at the cashier. And I said, and the woman said, "Is this it for you?" And I said, um, "Enjoying my coffee." She goes, "What?" I said, "I can get you a toe." She says, "What?" I said, "Well, those are lines from the Big Lebowski. You were just saying that had not occurred to us, dude." from the Big Lebowski. He goes, oh, I didn't know that's where it came from. I don't know what that phenomenon is or is called, but I suppose a cynic may just say, Seth, it's called minding your own business. I don't know. I just want it to be a part of the conversation and have a friendly discussion. I guess uh, th there is a larger problem with s something related to this, though, which is people not know and that they has nothing to do with movies. Who cares about movies? But it ha but it does it does inform me when it comes to people not knowing the cultural reference points they are arguing from or talking about. And when you hear people saying things about this country that just don't make sense, when they're speaking rot, more often than not, if they're under fifty, they simply don't know what they're talking about. If they're older than fifty. They ought to be ashamed of themselves because they're in the poisoning of the mind business that gets us the problem of the under 50. 602-508-0960. I'm Seth Liebson. We will be right back. That had not occurred to us, dude. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.